that every day is a good day in Jesus. Every day is a good day in Jesus. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. I want to talk to you about the good days. The good days. In our realignment series, as we go through the book of Acts, the good days. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. If you ask my wife, if I'm not listening to worship music, which mostly I do, but if I'm not listening to that, she'll tell you that I'm probably listening to some old jazz or the golden oldies or maybe some blues because uh, things that take you back, you know, just kind of, and I didn't live back then, but I like that, that music that's slow, that kind of chills your mind down and listens and makes you kind of live in another time. Now to her, she says, well, it's just depressing music that I like, but I call it nostalgic, okay? Um, she thinks it's depressing, melancholy. You know, I like that melancholy. I kind of like sad music. I don't know. I just like sad music. Something about it just soothes me. Maybe it's because I'm high pace all the time. I just need that. <sighs> I just sit by the pool or outside with your sweet tea and throw back some old stuff and then listen and then watch the sunset, right? That's kind of, that's a perfect afternoon. Well, uh, there's something powerful about nostalgia, right? There's something powerful about uh, thinking about the past. Have you ever longed for the good old days, right? Or the days gone by, the good old days. You know, uh, now those days may be different for every generation, every person, but what do they have in common? They're often simpler. They're often slower times, times when you remember being happy, times uh, that you had meaningful relationships, or at least that's how we remember them. The times where kids used to ride their dirt bikes, you know, their, their bikes till dark. And, you know, you used to walk the roads and not care what time you came home. And you uh, skipped rocks and, you know, you played with the crawdads in the creek, right? Come on, where's the Louisiana people here, right? Uh, I remember getting a stick uh, with a piece of string and a piece of bacon and going down the ditch and trying to see if a crawdad would pull that, you know, that bacon. Uh, simpler times, we all have those things, or maybe times you helped mom cook in the kitchen, or you worked on a project with dad in the shed, or maybe it was those family road trips, or maybe your first apartment you had as a married couple, days when your kids were younger, uh, the good old days, right? There's powerful things about nostalgia, but you know, the problem with the good old days is that you never know you're in them till later, you ever notice that? You never know you're in the good old days until they're gone, till later. Yet, if we're honest, though, if we're honest, even the good old days weren't perfect. Likely during those days, there was probably a war going on somewhere. There's probably an economic disaster, maybe a political scandal in the news. Maybe that year your family might have faced a crisis or a financial issue, maybe even a health issue you were going through. You can forget the, that in the good old days, you can forget how tired you were coming home from work. Maybe the arguments that you had with your spouse, uh, times you wanted to give up. Times the kids were screaming in the back seat the whole ride there. You know, remember that family road trip we took? How awesome it was. Well, the good old days. Well, you forgot that like eight hours of the trip, your kids were screaming in the back of the, and you were about to pull over and beat somebody. I mean, you, you kind of forget, you know, some of those things. I have a picture of Ariana when she was just a, a, a infant and a, just a little bitty thing. And I look back, oh, she's so old now. She's, you know, eight years old. She's so little. And I forget that day. Man, we couldn't even go out to eat that day because that thing was screaming the entire time. You know, you forget sometimes, oh yeah, that was good old days, but man, I, I don't know if that's one of the days I want to relive. You know, there's, there's that nostalgia, but there's a problem with the good old days, that every day has good things and bad things. Every day you live has good moments. There's light and there's dark. There's day and there's night. Every day, can, you can see the good in it and you can see the bad in it. People have always longed for the good old days. 
Even Christians can long for the previous days of the church. I can long for the revivals of the early church, and we're looking in the book of Acts. I can long for the days of the Reformation, the great awakenings of America. When people used to go to church and people used to get in the streets, I, you could say, man, if only we'd lived back then. If we'd just lived in these Bible days, man, how awesome it would be to see the church, you know, in action. But, you know, those days were filled with huge problems and challenges, too. Perhaps even more than today. We can think about days when we were younger with church potlucks and full buildings and volunteers when America was a Christian nation and people sang and praised God's. But every day has good things and bad things. Every day has dark and light. Every day has good and bad. What makes the good days good? You know, Ecclesiastes said, why is it that the former, he says, do not say this, Solomon said, do not say this. Why is it that the former days were better than these days? For it's not wisdom that you ask this. Did you know that? Solomon said, don't think about the good old days because there's a syndrome called the good old days syndrome that says when you see the past, you often see it through rose-colored glasses, that every day has good days and bad. Every season of your life has good and bad days. And the good old days were not always really so good, if we're honest with ourselves. Because when you live in the past, like Solomon said, when you live in the past, what happens? You become impatient with the present. You become negative about the day that you currently live in. And honestly, you'll miss opportunities for God to do something good and new today. What if you could capitalize, listen to me this morning, what if you could capitalize and realize today is the best day of your life? Today is the good old days. What if we could take the good old days and make them today? What if today could be the best day? What if the day that you're living in right now you could capitalize on. I can't bring back yesterday, and I cannot live for tomorrow because today is all that we have. Mom and dad, today's the best day to be a parent. Husband and wife, today's the best day to be a married couple. Christian, today is the best day to be a Christian. You know why? Because today is all you have. Today's all you have. Tomorrow hadn't happened yet, and you can't go back in a DeLorean yet. So, hey, today is all you have. Today is the only day God has given you, and that's today. Today. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. It has enough problems in itself. Today is the day you focus on. Focus on today. Today's all you've got. Today will be the good old days of tomorrow. Did you know that? Today's going to be the good old day of tomorrow. So what if you could live in the good old days right now? Wouldn't that be awesome to live in the good old days right here, right now? I think about our kids over there in kids' church. Today's the day that our kids are going to grow up and look back and say, those were the days of church. Do you remember the days that we grew up in church? Remember the days of the revivals that we had when we were a kid? How many adults can think about good old days when you were a kid in church? Man, that's today for those kids. So as a person, as a father, as a pastor, as a Christian, I want today to be the best day because today is going to be the good old day tomorrow. You see, the good old days are any day I give God control. The good old days are the days that I let Jesus rule and reign in my life. The good old days are any day that's a God day. So how can I make the most of today? Paul says, how are we redeeming the day? You see, the good days are God days. Look at me in Acts chapter 9, verse 31. I want to talk to you about how the church had a good day. In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, we're going to catch you up. We see this early church begin. 
We see there was a powerful day on Pentecost when the 120 were filled in the upper room and the Holy Spirit began the church. There was a mighty revival. 3,000 people were added to the Lord uh, that day, and they continued to grow, even reaching to eight to 10,000 people very rapidly. But there was a lot of problems in that good day. I mean, there was immediate persecution. We have, we have guys getting beaten and stoned. We've got, we've got Peter and John arrested a couple times. The apostles were beaten. We've got Stephen being pulled out to the edge of town and being hurled stones at till he was dead. We have this guy named Saul, which we'll later known as Paul, who's standing there taking the coats and just watching it happen. Man, it, it was a great day, but man, there was some bad parts about it. But in that day, the church took that bad stuff and used it to fuel a revival. I mean, sometimes that persecution fuels that revival. And so we see Paul. Now what happens? Paul is on the road to Damascus. He's got a letter and he's going to arrest every single man and woman he can who's a Christian. He sees a bright light. Jesus uh, shows out, shows who he is and he strikes him blind and we see him find God. Radical conversion, man. He, he has scales fall off his eyes. And then if you read the few verses right before this, Paul begins to preach in Damascus on behalf of the church. Man, they have to like lower him over a wall in a basket to get him out of there because the same people that he was persecuting with now start persecuting him. Then he goes to Jerusalem. He meets Peter and the other apostles. They're not really sure about this guy because maybe he's tricking them. So a guy named Barnabas comes along the scenes and says, no, I saw him preaching in Damascus. Us. We try to get him out of there. He's legit. So Barnabas vouches for him. He preaches in Jerusalem so hard to the people that killed Stephen. Remember, he's handing the coats. He's watching it. He starts preaching to the people he was holding the coats for. They try to kill him. So then they get him all the way to Jerusalem, or out to Avra, Jerusalem, to the edge of the coast, and shipping back to his hometown just so he won't be stoned like Stephen, who he was watching get stoned. Man, what a day. That's a crazy day. In the middle of all of that, all that good and bad, in the midst of persecution and stoning and going to jail and people dying, Luke writes one verse. I want to just read this one verse. It was basically to say, and then there was a break and we had a good day. Watch this. Acts chapter 9, verse 31, there's a lull. And Luke remembers, in the middle of all that, he remembers this one verse. I love this. He says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace. Being built up, turn to your neighbor and say, built up. Being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. Luke was to say, and those were the days. Man, those were the days. Can you look back and think about those days? Man, those were the days. Do you remember that moment when God shut down our persecution for a lull in a moment? And man, we got to just take a breath. Anybody ever have a day where you're just like, oh, I just need to breathe. I need a good day. You ever go through a week and it's like, I need a good day today? I've had a lot of bad days. I need a good day. Luke says, there was a good day in the middle of all those bad days. God stopped Paul from persecuting us. There was a relief. And in a moment when, when we were really in a battle for our life, God gave us a breath of fresh air and we enjoyed peace and we were moving in the fear of the Lord. We were building one another up and there was joy in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? It continued to still increase. You know, what's amazing about these group of believers who I'm going to tell you about real quick 
Most of the time, we have to be really serious for God in our bad days. You know that? Like, oh, I got to pray because, man, I don't know how we're going to make it through this. Man, I got to really get on my face because I feel like I'm not where I ought to be. Man, I need to really get through this financial time or this emotional time or this relationship. And we have to really be legitimate Christians when it's a bad day. But sometimes in the good days, what do we do? Ah, I'm really kind of enjoying life right now. We kind of pull back and we're like, man, it's just, you know, it's, I got things I got to do. This church didn't do that. These unique believers took this opportunity of a good day and they continued to increase. Normally the church is going to grow in persecution, but these guys said, man, how can we capitalize on a good day? What if we could realize that today is a good day to be in Jesus and make today the good old days? And I think what they're about to give us is a recipe for you and for me to have the good days be any day. Are you ready? Watch this. Number one. Number one, what is the recipe for having a good day every day in every season of your life, whether it's bad or good? Here's the recipe for a good day. Number one is, he says, we were being built up. The first recipe is have some builders of the church. You know, so we can go through hard times like everybody does, and you say, man, I just really need a break. I really need to focus on some me time right now. I've had a lot of bad days. I finally got a break. I need to turn to myself. I need to, you don't know what I've been through. Give somebody else a turn to serve in the church, to do that, to be a volunteer. I'm sure the disciples could have said the same thing in this moment. We just got out of jail, man. I mean, we almost were stoned. I need some me time by the Sea of Galilee. Me and Peter, we're going fishing. They could, have, they could have done that. Wouldn't they, you wouldn't think they'd be valid to do that, right? I Give somebody else a chance to preach on Sunday because I just got out of jail. Wouldn't that be something if I said that to you, you know, last Sunday? I just got out of jail this week, guys. I got to take some me time. You'd be, thank you, pastor. Please take some me time. And we'll probably find a new pastor before you come back because you need to focus on some me time. But they said, how can we capitalize on the good day that God's given? They, they continued to build up one another. Built up in this verse means edify. It means to build one another up or like a house being built. That each piece when you begin to build a house is connected together. This wood nails to that wood. This block uh, mortars to that block. This cabinet door goes to those cabinets. It began to kind of connect the pieces and it builds up. And as every piece begins to be connected to somebody else, it makes a beautiful house. And John and Angie who's building a house said amen. Right? Uh, you, you're building it together. You're building it together. And he says... We were building things up. How is that happening? It was this group of believers had just gotten scattered across this three region. Judea, Galilee, Samaria. And they didn't have a central church anymore. They used to have one church. Now they're in a bunch of different places. They're totally scattered. There's no Peter. There's no John. Where they are, they might have shown up in a small country town. They're like, we're Christians. What are we going to do? What happened? Well, they found another Christian down the road that also moved here. These people had just lost their homes. Some of them had fled their job. They don't have a job. They don't have a house. They showed up in a neighboring town and said, how are we going to make it? That would have been a great day to take some me time. That would have been a great day to not be serving. That would be a great day to focus on yourself. But they said, let's keep on doing this thing called Christianity. 
They begin to find people who'd moved to that town with them, and they begin to have house churches, begin to gather, and each one began to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God had given them. And they didn't have a pastor, so one person became a pastor. They didn't have a board, then one person became a board. They began to say, who's using these gifts? And people began to use those gifts. And as everything began to work, new churches began to explode across the region because they continued to build one another up even on a day like that. There are some great people I can highlight. Philip. Philip was a guy who was willing to go across the aisle to Samaritans who everybody hated. He took it upon himself to go to a new, a new place. Ananias. Think about Ananias, the guy who prayed for Paul after he got blind. He's a man in Damascus. He's obeying God to pray for a persecutor, this guy named Paul. And while other people were ministering to hundreds, Ananias only hears God say, go to this one guy. And wouldn't it be that he went to a guy who became the greatest apostle in the history of Christianity, who wrote most of the New Testament, and whose words affected not just a couple hundred, not just a couple thousand, but billions for the next 2,000 years. Why? Because one guy was praying in this prayer closet, and he heard God tell him to do something. Go to talk and pray for one person. Man, never underestimate what the power of praying for one person can do. Ministering to that one kid in Sunday school or that one kid in kids church, that one kid in youth ministry, or just saying a kind word or bringing one person to church can change thousands, even hundreds of thousands lives. It was men like Ananias who said, I'll do what God has called me to do. It's men like Barnabas Barnabas, he's an older man. When Paul began to preach in Jerusalem, he didn't have anybody to vouch for him. It took an older man named Barnabas. He's called the son of encouragement. The Bible says he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. It was men like Barnabas who took on the next generation. He could have said, you know what, guys, it's been hard, it's been rough. I need a day. But in that day, he said, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. God has called me to stand in the gap to intercede for, to mentor this guy named Paul. I don't know what God's going to do with this crazy guy. Who knows what he's going to do with his life? But I feel like I'm supposed to be the older man to mentor this young man. He never knew what Paul would do in his day, but he responded to what God called him to do. There's men like the brothers in this chapter. It says there was brothers. There was brothers who followed Paul and who, who said, I'm going to get up in the middle of the night and this guy's got to get out of town and we're going to leave our families and we're going to lower him over a wall to get him out of town. It was men at a drop of a hat in these little churches all around this community who were willing to find Paul and say, we've got to all band together and secretly get this guy out of town. In the middle of the night, sometimes you need people in your life, in your church family, who are there at a drop of a hat. Don't you love having people in your life who you can call at any moment, any time, and you know they'll pray for you. They'll drop what they're doing to go help you. This is what was making the early church great. You see, no day is without its problems, but it's how you make the most of it. Jesus says you're going to have trials, you're going to have sorrows, but you're going to have peace in him because he's overcome the world. You see, if you want to have a good day any day, you need to surround yourself with people who believe just like this. Kingdom-minded people who are willing to invest in a relationship. You need people who are going to do what God is saying for them to do, to encourage somebody else. Don't you want an encourager, a Barnabas in your life? Don't you want someone who's going to lower you over the wall in the middle of the night? Don't you want someone who's going to pray for you at your darkest hour? You need to find yourself. You want to have a good day any day? Find yourself somebody like these people in your life. And guess what? If you can't find it, be it. 
If you can't find one of these guys, be one of these guys. You can't find a Barnabas, be a Barnabas. You can't find an Ananias, be an Ananias. God is looking for you and for me to make this day the best day of his church. Don't you believe this is the day we are called to be this church? I'm not called to live in the book of Acts. I'm called to live today in this day. What if today was our Acts? What if this day was the day that you and I are called to make up the difference and say, these are the good old days for us? Somebody say amen. If you can't find one, be one. Ephesians 4, Christ from whom the whole body is joining and holding everything together by, and equipping itself. He says, when every part is working properly, it makes the body grow, so it builds itself up in love. If you want to have a good day, find a builder of the church. Next is the fear of the Lord. Luke says, the church was walking and going in the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? Walking is how you live and conduct your life. And First John says, every person who calls himself a Christian, every person who, who calls on Jesus Christ and abides in him ought to walk in the same manner in which Jesus walked. Whew, that's kind of hard to do, right? You got to walk like Jesus. He says, they were walking in the fear of the Lord. What's the fear of the Lord? John's, first John says, the fear of the Lord is not something that you should be actually afraid of God because that love casts out fear. That perfect love, a perfect love in God, means I'm not scared of His judgment that I'm going to go to hell, but I'm in a holy, reverent awe of Him. Fear of the Lord is a holy, reverent awe. Even Job says, uh, and to man, behold, the fear of the Lord is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Fear of the Lord means I want to walk in obedience because I know God is holy. Fear the Lord means that I don't want to disappoint my God who has given his son to die for me, that I have a reverence about the blood of Christ and the cross of Christ. There's this awe that, man, look at what God gave for me. How can I live for myself any longer? That's the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is also that I don't have to worry what happens in this world, in this economy, or this political scene. I don't have to worry about it because my God's God and he's in control. And what can man do to me, the Bible says. I can, I can walk with boldness and confidence just like these early church leaders who could just stand in the face of that evil of the day and say, thus saith the Lord, this is who God is. That's fear of the Lord. It makes me bold. It makes me even joyful that I know that God has got this thing wrapped up. I don't have to worry what happens to me. I know that if I die, I just win, right? That's the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is a holiness. It's an urgency to do his work and tell people. Paul says that we persuade people because of the fear of the Lord. They were at an urgent hour. And so this church began to grow. They were building one another up. They were walking in the fear of the Lord, even in a day when it was easy to stop and press pause. In a day when it said, rest in peace, they kept on urgently working. Man, I wish that would be today in America. With a sleeping church, a big giant, we have a giant of a church in America that has lulled away to sleep because of the good prosperous days we've had. And even in the bad days we're having now, we're still praying as leaders in our churches that God would awaken the church one more time. And that's what this church was. We didn't fall back in a sleeping time. We kept building one another up. We kept walking in the fear of the Lord, knowing God was coming to judge the wicked and the dead. He says, be around people. Be around people who walk in holiness. Find somebody in your life who has an urgency about them. You want to have a good day and be in the best day of your life as the church? Find someone who has a reverent awe of God and be around them. 
Find someone who has an urgency to do the things God has called them to do in this day. Not thinking about yesterday and not thinking about tomorrow, but today. Find someone who has an urgency about them. Find someone who has this overcoming attitude. Not a, oh, woe is me. I don't know how we're going to make it through the day. You see what's on the news, blah, blah, blah. That's not a fear of the Lord. That's a fear of man. That's a fear of economy. That's a, an overcoming sense. God is in control. Somebody say amen. Man, that's the fear. That's us. That's our church. We're going to say God is in control. I know the maker of heaven and earth. And if you can't find somebody like that, guess what? Be somebody like that. If you can't find somebody like that to hang around, you be sure and be someone like that who walks in the fear of the Lord. Philippians 2 says, Dear friends, you always followed my instruction when I was with you, and now that I'm away, even more important, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with a deep reverence and fear. We know it in King James. Walk out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Work it out. That you have some reverence for what God has given you. That you've got to give it to somebody else. Third thing and last thing is he says, we continue to grow in that good day in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We had builders, people who were willing to invest their lives in just wherever they found themselves showing up, did what God told them to do. And they impacted thousands of people. They didn't even know what they were doing. But God said, do this, and they did it. They were builders of the church. We had people walking in the urgency of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, and it was moving them to keep, keep yearning for more of God. Even in a, a day when it had been easy to take a break, they had people in their churches with the fear of the Lord. And he said, lastly, we had people in our churches in that day, in the good old days, who were in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. What's the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Jesus says, I'm going to leave with you the comforter, the advocate, the helper, John 14, 26. He's going to teach you. He's going to be with you. I'm going to leave him with you, this comforter, this advocate, this teacher. This was the greatest promise God ever gave his church, that in the last days, God is going to pour out his spirit on all mankind, Joel 2. And he says, this attitude was active and present in their churches. It meant we realize these are the last days. We realize that we have received the best gift. Not only did Jesus, our Messiah, go to the cross for us, but he gave us the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, and we are that last days church. Everything in the Bible has been leading up till now, and we have received this great promise, the thing that only high priests could feel when they went behind the curtain one time a year, that only guys like Moses and Elijah and special guys like David ever felt this presence, but now every single person in our church when we gather and sing we have the spirit of God descending in a moment and we're praying for people and they're healed and demons are cast out and lames walking and we're going to prison and angels are showing up and this is the day to be alive this is the comfort of the Holy Spirit we are the last days church you see, the devil wants to lull you asleep. He wants to choke the fire out of you and get you to a place where you just don't care what's going on. But you are the last. You might be and I might be the people who see Jesus returning one day. And it's not us looking back to Acts. It's looking to today. Today is the day to make the good old days be good again. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. And what? Be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day to be the last day's church. They realized they had the hope of salvation. They realized that I have proof 
This isn't a story. This isn't a legend. This isn't a fable. This isn't a fairy tale. The Holy Spirit is in my heart. And like Romans says, I can cry out, Father, Father, I know I'm saved. I have the seal of the Holy Spirit. You don't know how special you are to have that. How very, very special you are. Millions of people don't have what you have if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Nobody in the days before Acts had what you have right here, right now. Felt the Holy Spirit like we felt this morning. You are very special. You see, ancient Israel, I'm going to wrap it up with this. Ancient Israel was walking in that barren wilderness. They were walking in that barren wilderness. God had led them out of the promise and was leading them in, or led them out of bondage, was leading them into the promised land. The Bible says that they continue to murmur and complain. And what do they say? Oh, if we could just go back to the days when, when we lived in Egypt and at least we had leeks and onions and garlic and meat and potatoes. At least we had something like that. Creature comforts. And they neglected that the comforter of the Holy Spirit was overshadowing them by day, by fire, by night. And every morning they woke up, they had fresh manna from heaven. We can be the same way. We can go for all the creature comforts of this world. We can look back to days when, but today is the day God is providing for you. Today is the day that God is championing you to be the best person, the best Christian, the best mom, the best dad, the best Christian worker he's called you to be. This is the day where people have to wake up and realize we are living in God's presence in the present. I'm not living for what I had when I was a kid. That's great. I had revival when I was a kid. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was a teenager. I've been to youth camps and kids camps. I've had great services with God. I've had great times in prayer with God. Those days are gone. I need God today. I need God to move in my life today. I need him to move in my kids today. I can't live on what God might do tomorrow. Today is the only day we can be in revival. Do you understand this? We're not waiting for tomorrow. We're not looking backwards. Today is the day to be in God's presence in the present. Find someone who's actively seeking God's presence today. Find someone who has the comfort of the Holy Spirit, even on bad days. Find someone in your life whose chief joy is to seek God's presence. Find somebody who's actually happy in their salvation because they have the Holy Spirit with them. And if you can't find someone, guess what? Be someone. If you can't find someone, be someone. Romans 5, 5, and I close. And the hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This is the greatest, the church, listen to me, this is the greatest day to be the church. This is the greatest day to be alive. I can't go back and live with Paul and the apostles and see all the things they see, but I can be who God has called me to be today. You can be the church God's called you to be today. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? How are we doing our part to build one another up by the Holy Spirit? How are we walking in the fear of the Lord? And how are we actively in God's presence today? If you're hearing God's voice today to do what He's called you to do, to be who He's called you to be, this is the best day. Because the good days are God's days. Every good day is a day when God is in it. 
every good day of your life. You don't care what has come your way. Financial problem, relationship problem, physical health problem, emotional health problem. No matter what the enemy or this world has thrown at you, you can have a good day in Jesus. You can have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You can have a faith in the fear of God that God is greater than anything the enemy could ever tell, throw at you or say to you. You can surround yourself with people in a church that love you and are there to pray for you and be with you, who call out the gifts of God in your life. You can be living today in the good old days because you're living in God. You're living in Jesus. You're living in the relationship in His church that He's given for you. You see, His church is that, that ark of Noah. In the flood and the torrent, the rain and judgment of the world, Noah and his family were safe in the ark, the vessel of salvation. That is Jesus Christ's body. That is the spiritual church. God has created a vessel for you to come in here every week. He's created relationships for you. You can be building one another up and praying the prayer of faith in the Holy Spirit. You see, we need each other. We need to walk in the fear of the Lord. And God has already promised you the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we take a moment to respond today. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in this moment? Holy Spirit, how are you speaking to me? What are you saying, God? We just ask the Lord to do that to you. You, you might have different things God wants to do to you. I'm just going to let, let, let God do this. Let the Holy Spirit tell you. Maybe he's calling.